The NFL is back, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is giving all new players a can't-miss offer for Week 1. Bet just $1 on any NFL game during the first week of the season and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Take advantage of this limited-time offer now. You heard right, DraftKings is giving all new players $200 in free bets instantly when you place a bet of $1 or more on any Week 1 game. Head to DraftKings Sportsbook app now to check out all the great promotions and daily odds boosts. Plus, you can make every game a big game with the same game parlays. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any Week 1 game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly for a limited time only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. What's up, everybody? This is Miles Turner, the Indiana Pacers. You're listening to the Pace Rules Podcast. Be sure to follow at Pace Rules on Twitter. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Pace Rules Podcast, the only Australian NBA podcast for the bias toward the Indiana Pacers. Coming to you in the off-season and trying to keep things pretty fresh, we've been talking a lot about Boomer's culture, we've been talking a lot about the NBL and Australian basketball over the last few months, culminating with the bronze medal win at the Tokyo Olympic Games. So we reached out to a former Boomer to understand a bit more about the culture, about the sport in Australia. Um, Obviously, the sport in Australia has produced um, Lamelo Ball has come through the system. RJ Hampton's come through the system. We've recently signed Tory Craig, uh, who played in the NBL and actually won NBL Defensive Player of the Year for the Brisbane Bullets uh, in our league a few years ago. So the Pacers have recently signed a defensive stopper in Tory Craig. So we reached out to one of the marquee players in the NBL, um, Mitch Creek. Mitch Creek uh, represented Australia for the Boomers on several different occasions over the last... Uh, decade or so. He played in the Rio Olympics and uh, he's most recently been the marquee player for the Southeast and Melbourne Phoenix, who are or were the newest franchise in the NBL two seasons ago. The newest franchise in the NBL coming up is actually one that's based in my home state of Tasmania. You guys may have seen or heard me mention the Tasmania Jack Jumpers, and they've actually adopted a little bit of a co-friendship with our very own Fort Wayne Mad Ants. So there's a little bit of a Pacers Jack Jumpers connection there in terms of the new ball club in my state as well. Uh, Justin and Alex had the opportunity to sit down with Mitch Creek uh, and talk about his NBL career, talk about what he's been doing in lockdown, talk about his international career, and also his NBA experience as well. He has played for both Brooklyn and Minnesota, and he had some pretty interesting things to say, including um, a bit of knowledge about Karis LeVert. So we hope you enjoy the interview. We hope you're enjoying the off-season Hope you saw the tease that we put in our Twitter page during the week as well. We're looking forward to bringing you a little bit more information about that in the coming weeks and a little bit of a competition that will run in the coming season. I'm actually staring at the uh, thing that I posted on Twitter in all its glory. And I must say that it's very, very cool. We had it made and you're going to have an opportunity to win one of these things. I'll post another teaser later in the week so you can see what that all looks like. But for now, here's Justin and Alex talking to former Australian boomer, uh, current NBL star, Mitch Creek on the Pacerous podcast.
Welcome to the Pace Through the Podcast. Today we have a very special guest all the way from Sydney in quarantine, current South East Melbourne Phoenix player Mitch Creek. Mitch, welcome to the podcast. Boys, how are we? Doing good. 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 Now you're currently in quarantine. I see you've been doing a lot of stuff on Instagram with cooking and running. Just to <laughs> give us a talk through that. How, how's that all come about? Oh, mate, I tell you what. Uh... I first, when I was, I was in America for a little bit and obviously I had to serve my quarantine coming back and it was really daunting for me uh, to start off with, honestly, because I'm such an outdoors active person. I have to be doing something. I have to be running around. I have to have grass between my toes. Um, very sociable person with friends and family. So coming in was going to be tough and I thought I was really going to struggle, but I was fortunate enough to pay for the upgrade. I got myself an apartment. You can kind of see I've got like a kitchen, a lounge room, a balcony, uh, which gives me stuff to do. I got weights. As you said, I've kind of been in the kitchen doing live streams and workouts and running like an idiot. So it's actually been really good. I've found it to be kind of therapeutic in a way. Uh, the rest of the world's going through lockdown and the rest of Australia really is, is kind of in lockdown, especially Sydney and Melbourne. So I've been pretty lucky considering that I'm not out of work. I'm still getting paid and, I can be thankful. So I've been able to be really appreciative of some things. For sure. That, that's great to hear. How, how many days you got left? I have four day, or three days left. I'm meant to get out Friday, but I have to stay in an extra night because I have a flight out the next morning was the next available flight. So I have to stay an extra night, <laughs> which I wish I didn't. I'd rather just walk to the airport from here very slowly for 12 hours. But unfortunately, I've got to stay in a green zone and get in like a special COVID taxi and Make sure I do all the right things so I can get home safely and not have to quarantine again. Ah, oh, hectic times, hectic times. Well, yeah, we'll we'll get started. We we had Corey Homicide Williams on the show a few months ago, and he said we have to get Mitch Creek on. He, he loves you. He loves raving about <laughs> you. So we thought we'd get you on. Just want to start back in your thirty six days. I'm I'm actually from Adelaide, big thirty six a fan. I went to a lot of your games. I was at the game you booted the kid in the face when you tried to keep the ball in. <laughs> um, went to all your finals games. Um, I'm still a bit salty. I feel like you guys should have beat Melbourne in the 17-18 finals. But um, yep. just talk about how it was playing for the 36ers and kind of playing with a lot of internationally renowned teammates. Like you played with Luke Schencher, uh, Josh Childress, Nate Sobey. Um, how was it playing with those guys as well? Yeah, look, it was it was definitely, for me, back then, I was younger, but I was still in a leadership position. Uh, I, I still had the ability to kind of uh, have the influence I did as a leader, communication, uh, direction of kind of team values, and uh, how I kind of carried myself on court, kind of transferred over to that leadership role as well. Nowadays, I'm much more mature. I'm much more aware of myself and those around me and how I affect people. So, Back then, it was more of a lead by example, do the right thing, work hard, you know, say the right things at the right time and make mistakes along the way and learn. So I appreciated what I had then, but now I appreciate it so much more. Some of the guys I was able to play with in my career so far, I look back and I go, holy shit, like I got to play with one of the best guys in his position across the entire world of players ever. You know, NBA, Australia, Europe. And, and as you said, Josh Childress, Luke Schencher, Every import I've played with essentially has been one of the top players in the world at some point in time. And, you know, you go through the Australian guys as well, with DJ uh, and Daniel Johnson, who's arguably the greatest NBL player for the last 15 years. Um, you've also got guys like Nathan Serber, who's gone from the ground up. Just playing in that environment with such a stacked roster, you look at the names then, you look at them now and who they've become. 
it's pretty crazy that we've had probably a bunch of MVP candidates all from that one team under the guidance of Joey Wright and, you know, Marty Clark and, and those kind of coaches. So it's been really special to be a part of it. You take so much from it, but you have to go back and watch some old tape and go, holy shit, that's me. Like, yeah. <laughs> I remember I was a young idiot running around with like my head cut off thinking I knew everything and I was, the world was good. But now you look at yourself and you go, holy God, like this is actually so much further than where I was 12 months ago or 12 months before that. And every year you get to have that reevaluation. So it's pretty special to have. Yeah. And I want to keep on the topic of changes because obviously in the NBL, we've seen, you know, you look at the young stars, Giddy just got drafted, uh, LaMelo Ball, RJ Hampton. Have you seen a shift in the NBL becoming more viable for these guys to come to the next level and, and to make it to the NBA or, or not? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think the, the NBL is, is, a, is a proving ground, I guess, to come in. Mm. If you can compete yeah. here, you're one, you're going to be tough. You're going to be physically and mentally strong. And you're going to be able to play at a high level with a good skill set because you've seen, you know, LaMelo Ball came in to our league, competed, played at a high level, spent maybe, what, three months, two months in a preseason environment where you actually skill develop. He yeah. went into the NBA and played the exact same way and averaged just as much. Yeah. So you really, it has to really ask the question, what's the difference in the NBA and the NBL? Talent-wise, a little bit, yes. Height, length, athleticism, Yes. But then you mix in what we know as an IQ and the NBA style of game. And I think Australians do a bloody good job at really kind of uh, solidifying themselves as key players. So you look at all these guys and their special talents and you see a Patty Mills at the NBA, uh, the NBA and then you see him in the Olympics and there's two different players and you wonder why. But really, he's got the skill set. He just uses it in a very singular focus over there. And, you know, I think the NBL has done a great job the guys coming through, the guys that are going to come through as well are going to give themselves to play in the NBA for years to come. Um, you know, to feel like you can have a bit of an imprint on that, help people on the way, guide them information, and even talking to them during games. I had many conversations with Josh Giddy about, mate, like when you're doing this, don't get down, like do this, like try this, have this mindset. And he looks at you and he goes, holy shit, like this guy's actually trying to help me. <laughs> and at the end of the day, I just want to see a fellow Australian reach the top because that's mm. where I wanted to get to. I got there. Now the capacity is different. The lengths and times are different, but the, you know, the game's different now. And, you know, if I was playing and I was 18 now, maybe I'd be in the NBA for six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years. Um, you just never know. So you just try and help those that have got a chance to get there. Yeah. 100%. And you touched on Patty Mills there. We would be remiss not to talk about that bronze medal performance. And, and obviously you had the chance to play with him in the World Cup a couple yeah. of years ago. What was that experience like for you to play with the Australia and to compete at the highest level? Look, any time you get to pull on the green and gold is absolutely, you know, incredible to say the absolute least. That's an insult even. Uh, it's yeah. so humbling. It's so prestigious. You walk in and you wear that jersey. And as uh, although it's only three or four grams in weight, it feels like there's just so much that goes with it. There's so much history, all the players, past, present, um, and in the future to come. You wear it like a badge of honor, like a shield on your chest, like you go on a war. And the guys talk about it. It's such an amazing feeling. And to be a part of groups and teams with Joe, Patty, Deli, Bainsey, you know, all these great players. And then there's tons that I haven't mentioned. But to play against that IQ, the pace of which they play at, um, you know, the timing, the delicacy, they, they, they approach the craft of preparation, recovery, 
everything. You just learn so much. And, and I learn so much from it now. Um, even now watching it and being a part of the, the leading campaign and training in, in California before the Olympics, like, although I didn't make it, I still had the ability to do that. And I learned so much, even in a short amount of time. So if you don't learn anything, you're an idiot and you need to kind of reevaluate where you're at. So I try and be an idiot as less a time as possible and try and be a smarter person a bit more. And it gets me to, to where I want to try and get to. So definitely a lot to learn from those incredible players. And I just want to, you, you talk about the experience there. And I think, you know, we, we've talked a lot about Ben Simmons in this country and the fact he decided not to play. Do you think that it's, it would have been the right decision for him? Obviously you're not, you, you can't put yourself in his shoes, but would you have recommended to him that, that he took, a, took that experience and, and went to Tokyo with Australia or? I'm, I'm not Ben Simmons. I'm not his yeah. mind. <laughs> I know with what I went through last year, I had to take time off. I mm. took time off because I needed that. Yeah. Me, Mitch Creek. I don't give a absolute fairies fart hole about anyone else and what they think is best for me because they're not me. Mm. Now people said, Oh, I shouldn't have taken time off. It makes you look this. Oh, you shouldn't have done this. You, you know, you don't really, that's my choice. Now I was probably one of the first people we got to, we got told as a team um, that Ben had decided not to. And we all decided within five seconds, Hey, we support him no matter what, whether we think it's right or wrong, whether you support it, you don't support it. We don't know. We're not sitting there in his camp going, Hey, what's best? What's worse? What's this? What's that? So I sent him a message straight away. He hit me back probably a few weeks later and said, Hey man, appreciate it. You know, all the best. Rah, rah. And I've never spoken to him really prior to that, you know, on social media or anything. So to think that people scrutinized him for making a personal decision for his mental health, go for it. Like he's a max contract player. This is what people don't understand. He's a max contract player in the greatest league ever for basketball. Mm. And people say he can't shoot. I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on this, but fire out, <laughs> mate. You, you are you fucking stupid <laughs> if you think that man has to fucking change anything. Greg, Pop Greg Popovich came out and was like, why does he have to change anything? Like, well, because they haven't won just yet. How many other players haven't won in the NBA that can do yeah, more than he nice. can on an offensive end? But he passes, rebounds, defends, does everything you want as a superstar. He's an all-star. And people are like, oh, but he sucks because he fucking can't win and he can't do this. Shut the hell up. You sit on a couch and you point fingers. How about you just take care of your own stuff in your life, create for your family work hard for your dreams and let that man do the same thing. Cause I guarantee you he's doing a few things. He's working his ass off. He's got good people around him and he's supporting his family, his future family, his next 10 generations of line of Simmons. He's creating for them. So fucking good on him. I've, you know, if I ever get the chance to go up and buddy hug him and say, you did the right thing, mate, I'm going to do that. So, you know, people need to get off his case because they have no idea what he's going through, what he's going through or what he'll have to go through. Because when you're in that environment, the pressure of the NBA, the interviewers, the cameras right here all day, every day, everywhere in the world talking about you, everywhere you go, on the street, in the car, in a taxi, in a club, at home. It's never ending. You know, you imagine if someone looked in your window with a telescope all day, every day, it'd get tiring. So good on him for his decisions. 100% support it. 
It's good to uh, you get more fired up about Ben Simmons than yourself. So uh, you do done well backing up a, uh, a mate there. But I'm just going to stick on that because you, you seem pretty fired up about it. And it's good. I think a lot of it came from maybe Doc Rivers and Joel Embiid coming out after their elimination loss to Atlanta and maybe throwing a bit of shade at Simmons here. Again, it's hard to put yourself in your shoes, but, you know, you've had teammates and captains and coaches, and how would you have felt if someone kind of came out and was slinging mud at you after a game? Uh, I mean, it, I don't think it's really happened to me. It's happened in teams I've been on yeah. where certain players have spoken about, you know, other occurrences in games or whatever else and make a comment. And the first thing you need to do is is kind of, mitigate as much tension as possible but you have to hit it on the head so if i've got an issue with you i'm going to come to you and say mate like that's bullshit like you know you didn't you weren't this or you didn't commit or whatever it is at least if we've had that conversation anything public is fine go for it you know but i have to understand you as a human if i don't understand you and i don't say you know what i know you know, what Joel was going through or Ben, you know, I know him as a person. We've sat down and had coffees and dinners and we've talked about family and relationships, business, love, life. When you've had that rapport and that connection with team, it's a lot easier to have those public conversations because the media, you know, it's not very hard to understand, but the media want to blow shit out of proportion. You know, instead of writing what it is, they write what it could be because that could be gets 100,000 more clicks. Yeah. And 100,000 more clicks over 1,000 articles is 10 million. So that 10 million extra is this much more money or this much more exposure or opportunity. So that's their job. They sensationalize everything. So I do understand where they're coming from. They may have had those behind the scenes conversations and that's fine. It mightn't bother them. It might. You know, the fact that Ben, you know, has been spoken of about wanting to go to other teams and there's no communications. Who's writing that? We read those articles, but do we know the truth? You know, it's like anything in the world right now, COVID, Afghanistan, you know, women's rights, you know, LBGT, like whatever it is, we don't really know unless it's our life. So we can speculate and have an opinion, but at the end of the day, the media is just one big ass opinion that realistically no one should care about because you don't know the facts. So I feel like it's a hard one to comment on, but at the same time, you kind of see how the different angles kind of come about and how that affects players, because then I have to read 10,000 articles about, you know, this, that, and the other, and you're, you're a shit teammate, and you need to work on this, and you need to not go and do this. Then you start to wonder, well, do I? Is that really, you know, I, I can't really shoot. No, can I, can I do this? Then, you start, then you're in your own head. Yeah, you're in a nightmare. You're in a downward spiral. It's tough. It's hard. You just don't know where you're at just then. So you need to have your circle of trust, the people that you need in your corner, whether it's the coaching staff or your management, and you need to take that guidance on board. But if you don't deal with it head on, you and me, man or mana, you're kind of wasting your time and you're going to run into dead ends and and, and kind of friction. You don't want that. Yeah, it's, it's definitely – it's good Good there to get an insight onto how you know, a true athlete feels. Us as fans, we get a whole different perspective and we might read something and then go, oh, well, that's fact. He is a bad teammate, but um, we can only go off what's what's written, I suppose. But um, want to want more touch on about your career um, – this is probably a half year to put in words, but I really want to get insight on how actually was it getting the call up for the Brooklyn Nets? I've, I've seen the, you know, everyone's seen the vision go viral about, you know, the, the guy calling you saying, you know, you're shooting up tomorrow night. Just, you know, how was it from a kid from Horsham to get the call up? Um, I'm sure there were probably many times you doubted you'd, you'd make it, but how was that feeling when you hung up the call going, oh my God, I'm, I'm in the NBA? 
Yeah, look, I we'd had quite a few conversations with Brooklyn about, hey, you know, we're gonna we're gonna give you a ten day, we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that, and that went on for probably two months. And I was like, to my agent, I don't know if this is gonna happen. Like, is it? Am I am I doing something wrong? Like, am I like what what do you want from me? Because I'm kind of doing everything I need to be doing, which you're telling me to do, but I'm not really getting you know, the result, don't tell me anything or just give it to me. Yeah. Simple. And when it didn't happen for a while, I actually had to have the conversation of, look, if I just play in the G league for the rest of the season, like, that's fine. That's cool. No worries. But if I'm not going to get it and there was only about a month and a half left of the season. And I was like, if I'm not going to get it. And finals are coming around. Like, am I better off going to Germany or going to Europe and playing there in EuroLeague for three or four months, you know, putting myself in a great position for the following year. So that's what we actually decided to do. And then it wasn't until probably the last hour, we were like, hey, let us know because we have options if it's there or not. Like we really respect and appreciate all the time, but we have a career to look after. We can come back and do this next year, but we just need to know a little bit. And we gave it a couple of days. And then all of a sudden, we're about to go on an 11-day West Coast swing and uh, you know, be LA, all those trips. And all of a sudden, it was about 10, 10, 15 at night. They give you a call and it was the, the head coach, Will Weaver. And he's like, mate, I just want to be the first to tell you that you're about to get a call and they're going to sign you like tomorrow, like tonight, but you're going to sign up for tomorrow and you'll suit up tomorrow night. And I was just like, hang the fuck on. Like, <laughs> really? Mate, are you, like, are you kidding? And he's like, mate, I'm so happy. He was in tears. I'm bawling my eyes out like, the, the raw emotion you feel is so hard to put into words. Like I just got goosebumps. Um, it's so like, it's hard to describe because when you work so hard for something, it doesn't mean you're going to get it. A lot of people work hard and never get there. You know, people, people lie to you and say, if you work hard and you believe you can do, like, you can do it, you can achieve anything. It's bullshit. You got to work hard. You got to dream. You got to put in the extra time. You got to sacrifice. You got to do all that shit just for a chance, just for one chance. And if you fuck that chance up, guess what? You oh. may never get another one again. So when I got that call, I literally broke down like someone had just taken my mother and father away from me and slaughtered them in front of me. Like I was so emotional. I gave up so much. I'd put myself through absolute hell physically, mentally for years. I'd had so much self-doubt. I had so many other things going on in my life that would that no one knows about, mind you, apart from my family, that made it such an emotional experience. I called my family and literally every single family member had answered the face the FaceTime group chat on Facebook. And I literally like 15 people bawling their eyes out, like you've never seen. You know, that that kind of emotion is what it meant to then even suit up. And like get your kit and put it on and you're just like <laughs> walking around you're taking photos and shit you think you're like you're a rock star you feel like elvis presley in his prime just walking down the street strutting his tight pants like that's how you feel and then you're like oh, i've got to go play and then you're like i've got to go and learn all the offense all the defense all the sideline all the out of bounds all the end of game all scenario offense defense scouts to the other team all your teammates details now again and they give you an iPad and they say, oh, we play tomorrow night. You're not going to play tomorrow night, but you're going to play the next night. So you've got 48 hours to basically learn everything. And you're like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then you get subbed into the game because someone gets hurt and you got to play. 
all of a sudden your mind is going crazy. You're in, you're shaking, you're sweating. You know, like everything's going on. Your body's freaking out. And you're like, this is it. This is the moment I get to go in and play in an NBA game. Like how bloody cool is that? And yeah, look, I, you know, if that little bit there doesn't put into or give you some kind of sensation of what it might feel like, then I don't know what does. I mean, I've, you know, the first probably six months of talking about it after I came back to Australia, it actually brought tears to my eyes. Now it just brings me this little warm, fuzzy feeling, but you know, it's not done. Like I still want to get back there. You know, COVID's kind of made its run and you can get into America now and had a knee injury that kind of put me out two days before I signed a contract back in the NBA a year and a half ago. Like I've had chances again. It's just timing's not been there. So I want that feeling again, but at the end of the day, I've proven I've got, I'm good enough to get there. So I believe in myself enough now to know that I know what this feeling's like. I want to feel that again, but if I don't get there, my best is good enough. And that's all I can really care about right now. It's so tough. You have to, yeah, everything has to align perfectly. Doesn't it? You have to be healthy. You know, the opportunity has to be there on a roster. I mean, we see it with Dante Exum right now, you know, he's dealt with so many injuries in the NBA and similar to, to the injury that you had. So yeah, it's tough, but but as a Pacers podcast, we do have to talk about a, a guy who got traded to our team this past season, a teammate of yours in Brooklyn, Karis Levert. Uh, we, yeah, we're, we're absolutely loving him. You know, he's only played like 20 games for us, but he's been fantastic. What, are you, well, what can you give us about Karis? Karis is a guy that, you know, I got in there and he was a, probably two or three years younger than me, a couple of years younger, and he's just such a good, good guy, like, Really down to earth, works hard. He was one of the first there every day. Skill development, one-on-one development, strength. You know, everything he was on top of. He looked after his body. He looked after his mental, his physical. As I said, he's always adding things to his to his toolkit to kind of improve his game. He was just a guy, like I got to spend a fair bit of time with him when he when I was coming back from injury. Oh, sorry, when they were coming back from injury, he was out. And then um, Damari Carroll, Jared Dudley, um, the Manimal, those guys are all kind of coming in and out of injury at times. And I got to work with them and, and do a fair bit of stuff. So it was actually really cool to spend some time with them around them. You know, he's just a, a hard worker. He's a guy, um, you know, much like, you know, a Spencer Dinwiddie who's got a very big tool bag. And I think it's just a matter of time before probably two, two or three more years. And I can see him being, you know, a max contract superstar of that franchise. You know, I don't see why there's any, doubt in my mind that he can't be that now or in 12 months but i think for certain in two two years maybe three seasons you know he's going to be an absolute force to be reckoned with for the next six or seven years um i just see him at the moment being maybe a slightly smaller version of like a jason tatum um and that's kind of who i would probably compare his game to a little bit Uh, i think a little bit more belief a bit more courage and confidence for himself I think he's going to have the world at his feet. So, so happy to see him there. He's such a great guy, as I said. And, you know, to see him do well, you know, even for the short amount of time I spent with him and that team, um, it's always special to see people earn those spots you think they deserve. That's great. And I'm sure that's music to all Pacer fans' ears. Um, we've got one more question for you, Mitch, then we'll, then we'll wrap up. So, yeah, like I said, we can't thank you enough. But uh, we had Donald Sloan on the show not long ago, and we asked him who his toughest opponent to guard in his career was. And he mentioned Damian Lillard. So I always love asking people this because you get a great insight. So, you know, this could be NBL internationally, NBA. Who, who was some of the toughest guards you've ever had to – toughest players you've ever had to guard? 
Um, I definitely say number one's got to be Giannis. Um, you know, I got to play probably 20 minutes on him. Um, I still remember my stats for that game and I still remember like defending him in the block and, you know, him coming down in transition, coming at you. He's definitely one guy, like size, athleticism, talent, ability to go left, right. He's like, his number one move is literally come at you like hezzy kind of cross, spin, fucking boost <laughs> on your head. Like he's done it over and over again and you cannot defend it. You have to build a three-man wall and be like, get through that. And he does still. Like there were times where he did. Um, you know, to play against him, like it, it was pretty special. Uh, some of the more memorable ones, honestly, would have been, I was I got to play in Dirt Nowitzki's last game and Dwayne Wade's last game in their careers. Like, wow, that shit is so cool. I got to go up and physically thank Dwayne Wade for the impact in the career he had. Like I shook his hand at half court. I gave him a little bro hug and I just said, mate, thank you so much for what you've done. I'm a huge fan. All the best with life after basketball. And he's like, mate, congratulations on, um, on the, on the contract. He's just like, give him hell. That was it. Like that for me, like I was like, all right. <laughs> Dwight knows who I am. Like sick. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, it's pretty surreal when you have those moments. Um, watching Steph Curry play is pretty ridiculous. You know, to to watch him firsthand, um, and then probably Westbrook. Westbrook was just, I appreciate him so much for how he goes about his business, his mentality towards everyone else. Is like a fucking stick that up, yeah. You know, you're not on my you're not on my team right now, so I don't care about you, kind of thing. But if we end up playing next year, then I'll be friends with you. And everything else in between is like I am gonna bloody win no matter what, and I don't care what it takes, how aggressive I have to be, what I have to do. Just the relentlessness and the toughness he plays with is is pretty incredible. So um definitely like those kind of guys, those four guys that are probably my guys that are the most memorable and, and probably the best I've played against. It's funny, yeah, I didn't actually mention, but I was meant to say, I remember you talking about Giannis in a previous interview saying how much of a freak he was, and I suppose that's where he gets the nickname from. And uh, also just talking about Westbrook now, I feel like you've got a bit of Westbrook about you seeing in your 36 a days. I see a bit of argy-bargy with you on the court, which um, you might model your game on, which all fans love to see. But, um, yeah, we'll wrap up now. Maybe just a... A word, what's your future goals heading into, you know, 2022? Um, I know you're with your South Phoenix. What, what do you see out of the, them this season? Um, what, are your, what are your kind of personal goals for next year? Yeah, look, um, for me, it, it changes, you know, pretty quickly. Uh, my goals kind of get reevaluated every probably month or two. Uh, i got a board at home in my room that's just written up there on a whiteboard. And for me, it's about getting into preseason in really good shape at the moment. I'm actually feeling really good physically uh, and mentally, so get back in, see what the season looks like because the landscape's changing with COVID uh, at the moment. It's being delayed. So hopefully we get to start around end of November. From there, just have a really good preseason, get the boys on board, continue to build what we built on last year. Um, you know, as I'm aware right now, we just signed a import today, um, one of the guys. So really excited for what we have coming in and who we're going to have. So go in, have a great season as a team, try and help everyone build and get to where we want to get to individually and also as a team, as I said, in finals. But then uh, for me, it's just getting through the season really healthy mentally and physically. Last year was a huge drainer for me. So, you know, I lost the love of basketball and I'm trying to find that again right now. So once I get back, it's going to be kind of reconnecting with the kind of old school vibes. Uh, for me, it's going to be like leisurely going down with some friends and shooting. 
you know, playing some old school one-on-one days and some runs on sad days and jerseys and stuff like that. Like that's what I need to get back to, to really kind of get that fire churning again. Once I have that, which I know I'm going to get again, it's trying to get back into the, uh, the NBA. That's, that's the goal. Finish the NBL season really well, try and win a championship, go one step further this year. Um, and then, yeah, we'll have a couple of months still to kind of get on a roster, a couple of 10 days, hopefully get re-signed next year in the NBA and stay over there and then make $100 million. That'd be great. So, <laughs> you know, Vegas can't be choosers, but we can kind of manifest some, some really good things. All those steps until the $100 million is, are my actual manifestations. Um, but, you know, yeah, the, the world's your oyster. You've got to go out there and believe and, and work hard. And at the end of the day, if you give love, um, you'll get that back. So we just need to make sure we're doing the best thing for ourselves and then we can help others. So right now, with what we're going through in the world, I think we need to be kind to ourselves, look after ourselves, and then we can go and help other people because healed people, heal people, hurt people, hurt people. And we need to make sure that we're doing um you know everything we can to look after ourselves and then try and help others in the meantime because it's a pretty shit thing we're going through and um you know the world can use a little bit of positivity i think you're completely right and that's a great way to leave it there we we did actually have the paces gm kevin pritchard on so maybe we'll uh swing him a uh uh-huh. copy of this interview for we'd love you on the paces we've been we've been tuning for it and um yeah we'll send him a copy of this and bleep out the swear words eh? <laughs> i like it sounds great awesome legend thanks mitch for coming on we really appreciate it boys appreciate it all the best stay safe and uh enjoy the rest of your night